0: 2561729 and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show it's afterbuzz TV 666 park avenue <laughs>
1: What's everybody? What's up, everybody? I'm so <laughs> hype! I'm like throwing my hands up for the ACDC intro to Highway to Hell, which is so appropriate for our Halloween week that's coming up and for 666 Park Avenue. You're watching episode four, Hero Complex. I'm Daryl Kristen, along with the lovely and beautiful and talented co-host. Please introduce yourself.
2: I'm Sophia Stanley. And I'm J.J. Jurgens.
1: Well, ladies, we have the fourth episode and let's get right into it. Let's start with our homegirl, Anne. All right. We see Anne at the top of the show tonight. She's tied up and gagged. Kadensky's in her face. He's threatening her. And we see her a little bit later on escape, run to her editor's house, Ned, who she tries to call. And as she's standing at his door and calling him, she hears a phone ring. And when she hears the phone ring, she realizes, like, okay, something weird is going on here. I need to possibly, you know, assess the situation. She goes down, puts her hand on the rail, sees a little bit of blood, notices a bloody body. So Mr. Ned, the editor, is deceased. And we know who killed him because our man Kadinsky calls her on the phone afterwards and threatens her again and says that Mm -hmm. she's going to be next. What did you guys think of that intro? Because I personally was scared a little bit after seeing it.
2: Oh, well, you know, I thought evil her again. You know, she couldn't, she already created this monster. And then to go ahead and then throw Ned under the bus, you know, I, I was very disappointed in her. You know, she needed to suck it up and just keep other people out of it at that point when you realized you just made a monster come to life. You know, so she, she basically got, you know, somebody else killed.
3: Um, I agree with uh, JJ because I think that. If she was going to buy herself time, then she should have potentially thought of somebody else. Right. But I think that what I got from it is, and I think we talked about this in previous episodes, is no one gets something for nothing. And again, she wasn't even creative enough to think quickly on her feet. Like, she really was a novice. She was she was in well above her head. So presumably, if you think you're not only about to die, but you're about to be tortured – She's going to throw out any name and she looked at the newspaper and she threw out his name. That didn't bother me so much. What bothered me was then that's when you call the cops. Like even if it's an anonymous Mm. tip, you don't go yourself after this man just tortured you and you're going to do what? So that's the part I think I didn't like. I I kind of actually understood her throwing out her boss's name because I think it was kind of an impulse. It was that natural survival instinct. It was what she did afterwards that I kind of wasn't wasn't so pleased with.
1: I just felt like she should also make up a name. Yeah. I mean, just make up someone. Make up someone who lives in a totally different state. <laughs> you know... You know, oh, no, good.
3: No, I was thinking the same thing, and then the only reason I thought differently was you have to be pretty savvy to do that, and you have to actually not be scared. That's and true. so the funny thing is, the only problem I had is, if Kandinsky is kind of this this um, mafia dude and, and, you know, a Russian enforcer, he would have known that she couldn't withstand that level of torture. Even though she lied, that was kind of, like, he should have known, like, she's not sophisticated enough to have done this right. or to have lied. But at the same time, she she did. So she was just buying herself time. Like, I don't think people are smart enough to go, okay, I'm going to make up a name that's not, no, you're going to pull from your warehouse of information. And I think that's why they did the, the deliberate camera angle to the newspaper. Right. So that's why she pulled up her editor's name.
1: Well, poor Ned bit it. and, and <laughs> <laughs> I felt sorry for Ned. Uh, but then later on, we see her talking to Gavin because she's obviously scared. She wants Kodinsky to disappear from her life. K- um, excuse me. Gavin then mentions to her, if she writes another article for him, that Kodinsky will disappear. So she puts together this article. And I think in quote, um, um, uh, Gavin said to her, Basically, that if she would write this particular letter, that Gavin would disappear. About he wanted her to write a letter about the corrupt city planning commissioner. Uh, Gavin says you wanted to write the he wanted her to write the article because she was a person who wanted to change the world with her writing. So, what would you guys think mm-hmm. of her going to Gavin with this first of all, and then talking to him? You know, basically to fix the problem with Kudininski. Would you have gone to Gavin? I wouldn't have gone to Gavin. I don't think.
2: No, no, I I would not have gone to him. Um, I need a minute to think on this one for a little bit. So go ahead.
3: Um, I actually would have either gone to Gavin because obviously she knows that in some way that's the source of her trouble. Everyone goes to Gavin because Gavin can, in fact, fix things. Or I would have literally, you know, cashed out every available money that I would have had and I would have jumped on a plane and gone far, far away. Right. But I think that... Those were her only two options, and so I think she actually, she chose correctly in terms of that was the root of her problem. I think where she wasn't thinking was, okay, you're playing with fire, and you already stepped into something and didn't think about the ramifications. So in a certain extent, like, I would actually prefer when these people make deals that they're willing to deal with the consequences. It's kind of this naivete that's that's starting to bother me, because you already created a murderer, like out of thin air, like yeah. that's some crazy stuff. So is <laughs> he technically me? a
1: ghost? Is he? I mean, I don't think he. I don't
3: think he's a ghost. I think he's an actual, like a manifestation. Like I think, just like he said, like you want to change the world with your words, or you know, they have the saying that you, you know, words can come to life on the page. I think that's the symbolic thing. I think he was real because I mean, he he did real things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's my thing. I definitely think it made sense for her to go to Gavin because that's the root of her problem. But at the same time, I'm still amazed that people just don't leave.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would have jumped on a plane and went to Jamaica or something
2: like that. I think I would have wrote a really nice story before. So though, like, that's, <laughs> care. Obviously, she knows everything that she writes is coming true. Right. So well, then she should have killed attempted him. attempted to try to. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that's true. That's a good point. She should have just wrote, written something that killed him. Mm-hmm. Well, a little bit later on in the episode, we see that she does write the letter uh, and they are at a dinner. A, 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 was it a gala? It was a um, the
3: mayor's dinner. The mayor's mm-hmm.
1: dinner. So they're at the dinner and we see Kodinsky come in. And before that, he um, we see everyone there. And Kodinsky comes in and is attempting to shoot the commissioner and Henry, which we'll get into a little bit later. And when you think that he gets pushed away. And when we think that it's actually Henry or the commissioner who's been shot, it's no other than our girl Anne who's laying on the floor with a bullet in her head. So, now, that scene I did not expect. Did you guys expect Anne to disappear so quickly since she just appeared last week? I mean, did you? I thought that she would continue on through the rest of the episode.
2: I thought she was definitely going to be done by this episode because um, when Gavin was saying to her, I promise you, you'll never see him again, I took that as... Kandinsky was going to keep living on, but basically that she was going to die. So he wasn't really, his promise was kind of tricky in the sense that he was just basically saying, you're going to be dead, so you won't see him again. Right. So I kind of, I saw that one coming. Sophia, you? I actually did not
3: see that one coming um, because I thought that when he basically said, no innocent bystanders will die, that he was actually talking about the commissioner because the commissioner was in fact a crook. And that's why even when when Gavin, I mean, when Henry mentioned like, oh, my God, you really are a crook. Gavin was right. He didn't argue with him because right. he really was. Um, I think that where the twist came was the the intersection of Nona warning Jane, because right. if if Nona has never warned Jane and Jane had never screamed Henry, then either Henry or the commissioner would have gotten shot. And I don't mm-hmm. think that in the melee then um, then Anne would have been there and Anne would have gotten shot. I thought it was a it was a. It was a pretty cool juxtaposition that she was one, in fact, who got shot. And it came to fruition because she wasn't an innocent bystander. Mm -hmm. So I think that was the twist. And I think Gavin was happy that that happened that way, but he wasn't sure. Because he, he, wasn't, sure. he, he yeah. wasn't sure which way Henry was going to go. So right. I think that in his mind, Henry being a hero is what he wanted to happen, but he wasn't quite sure. And I think it shows that he, he doesn't know everything. He puts things in motion and hopes for an outcome, but he can't actually guarantee an outcome at all times.
1: And that's where mm-hmm. I still was a little bit confused because I, I think a couple episodes ago we talked about, I think I brought up the point, does he know everything? And I think you said the same thing, that he, he, he can't know everything no. because there would be certain things that wouldn't happen. And to your point, you're right. I mean, I guess tonight was an example of how he doesn't really know fully everything that's going to happen in in the... um once things are promised or made. Um, before we get into the t- in more detail in tonight's episode, I do want everyone to go to iTunes and rate us and comment. We love to hear what you have to say about the show. It helps us to improve every week. Not only can you uh, comment on the show, but we also have about 50 other shows that you can download. We have Dexter. We have Scandal. We have um, The Walking Dead, Revolution, a, a plethora of different shows that you can go and enjoy on iTunes.com and rate all of those shows. So please go and remember to do that as well. Thank you for the applause. All right, so it's a nice safe way into Nona. You were mentioning Nona uh, as as she warned Jane about the the potential of certain events that are going to happen that happen tonight, which I'll get into a little bit later. But we see at the also at the top of the show that Nona is is f- making cookies, what it appears to be. She's making cookies mm-hmm. in her apartment. We, once again, don't see her grandmother, uh, but she's making these cookies, the doorbell rings, and it was, was it Ingrid, who is, is it, yes, Ingrid, who came to the door, and Ingrid is her therapist. So Ingrid had on these fly sunglasses that we saw during the episode after they had a little bit of a conversation. Ingrid leaves, Nona leaves with her, they're in the elevator, and... I think you pointed out, JJ, that actually that the sunglasses were not on her, on her, were they clipped to her shirt or something, or on her head? I think you pointed out that they had disappeared a little bit, or maybe it was you. Well,
3: the the glasses were. She wasn't actually wearing the glasses. The glasses were on her bag. Right. they were on her bag. Nona Nona noticed when they were in the apartment, and you saw Nona kind of gaze at them. And right before when Nona walked her to the door, to the door of the apartment. You know, Ingrid was saying something and she hugged her like, oh, you know, thank yeah. you so much. And that's where she got the glasses. Right. Ingrid then goes, you know, downstairs and then Nona, you know, proceeds to leave and Jane sees her in, in the um, in the elevator and she has the glasses. She has the glasses. And, then, yeah. and yeah, because
1: Jane complimented her on the glasses in the in the elevator. Mm-hmm. And we see um, that Ingrid, I think Ingrid asked a question about her sunglasses being gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jane had complimented her on those sunglasses again, I believe, and uh, we see that Jane notices that that the sunglasses are no longer on Nona, and Nona has a little bit of a a facial reaction towards Jane looking at her in this way and and then jane sort of uh i think she that 's when she gets idea that something that obviously Nona took these glasses so she didn't call her out which I which I was expecting her to sort of do but Ingrid leaves and then she starts to have that conversation with Nona now with do you think that these two are do you think that with the episodes that are coming up that they're they're going to build more on their relationship or do you think that it's what do you think that the relationship's going to go from here
2: yeah I think they're going to build more on their relationship I think um because clearly Nona sees visions and so does Jane. So I think they're going to get closer and closer and realize probably when other people are thinking that Jane is a little crazy, it, you know, if her husband starts not believing her and the things that she's telling him, I think that that's going to be they're going to confide in each other. Because she kept telling Nona over and over tonight, you know, like, well, not over and over, but she mentioned a couple of times, like, if you need somebody to talk to and she saw herself in her. And so I really think they're kind of starting to develop that that bond.
1: Yeah. And then Nona, a little bit later on, as we were mentioning before, she warns Jane as she's getting out. Nona gets out of an elevator. Henry's there. They're going to the gala. She touches Henry's arm. And she says, to she tells Jane for Henry to stay away from the guy with the compass tattoo, which we later find out is Kodinsky. And it's, you know, her, we seem to be getting more and more about her, her visions. And, and then we see that, I think that, Personally, I think that they're going to have something where they get a a lot more attached to each other and maybe they can use their visions together to solve Mm -hmm. some of these mysteries that are are taking place. Um, One thing that was revealed tonight also is the grandmother appeared. Mm -hmm. And what did you guys think about that? I mean, um, what did you guys think? I'll give my comment later. What did you guys think?
3: Um, I was actually surprised. I really somehow didn't think that there was a grandmother. I I really didn't. I I really thought that somehow that the grandmother must have either passed away. I I just didn't actually think that there was a physical person who was her grandmother. Um, It then definitely made me um, extremely curious when because I think of the way that Jane said, I'll, I'll always be there for you. The fact that she said to her grandma, you know, maybe Jane can help you slash us. So obviously the grandma looks like she's in some kind of a comatose state. Yeah. Um, um, and the fact that she specifically mentioned, maybe Jane can help us. That had to be a help in terms of that empathetic or empathic connection and not necessarily help from a medical perspective. Right. Yeah. So I'm extremely curious.
1: Yeah. And we also, I, well, it's funny when I saw the grandmother, I almost was wondering, is sh- is she going to be a person who has visions as well somewhere down the line, even though she was in a, is, was she in a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. She was in a wheelchair gazing out of the window. I, I wonder if they I was wondering if they were going to develop her to have some type of psychic powers as as well, or maybe she was in some type of comatose psychic world that will be revealed a little bit later um but we also were we also found out that nona's parents were killed and that she is just living with her grandmother but i was happy to finally see the grandmother appear because we Mm -hmm. hadn't really seen her before um her relationship with jane is, is one that's interesting to me um because they are so similar but I'm, I still wonder where it's going to go from here with those two. I, I still haven't figured out like if how how they're going to really help each other down the line, even though I hope that they do.
3: Um, well, I th- I think that just kind of jumping ahead real quick from the previews from from uh, next episode when Jane's in the red dress. Remember, we had that foreshadowing when she first took Jane's necklace. Right, that that was mm-hmm. the same red d- dress that she was in when it seemed like Jane was being attacked. So I think that somehow, and I know that I should say this for predictions, I'm not going to, somehow she's going to save Jane because she already saw the vision. Right. That's number one. Number two, I think the fact that she gave Jane her necklace back, I think that's actually going to come into play. Mm. I, I somehow think, and I think that JJ's mentioned this before, that presumably her grandma had some kind of power, but I think that the necklace is some form of protection. So now that she has it back, I think that somehow that's going to connect itself, that Nona is go, her, Nona's, um, premonition and the necklace are going to save Jane in the next episode.
1: You think, okay. I, I like that. But do you think that Gavin knows or has any indication that Jane and Nona have these visions at all? You don't think that he knows anything about that? I think he does.
3: I think I think Well, I th- okay, tell me why you think he does.
1: I mean, I just feel like yeah, he doesn't know everything that's going on in there, but there are so many points that he is aware of and he places things in certain ways for the tenants in the building and Nona is obviously a tenant in the building. He has to know certain things that are, are that she that are her powers and that she's she's there for a reason. So, I think that he has to know something about her having these visions. I I just really do. I mean, he knows everything, a little bit about everything that's of, of the people who are placed in that, in the apartment complex.
3: Simply because he knows she has visions, or do you think he knows what the visions are of?
1: I don't think that he knows fully that what her visions are of because I don't think he would allow her to actually speak with Jane as much as she does if he knew that. But I do think that he knows a lot of things that are going on with her that we just haven't seen yet.
3: And I 100% disagree with you. Why? I think he doesn't know anything about her. I think that specifically, and I think that ironically, I think it was Michelle who brought this up a couple of um, episodes ago. I definitely think that, again, what is she? She's probably like 14. I think she's
1: supposed to be about 14. Mm -hmm. She's
3: about 14. I definitely think that children exist in a world that we don't really see them. Right. Um, I think it's very easy to dismiss them. So I think that she's not really even on Gavin's radar. That's the first thing. I think that. The fact that we've now been introduced to the the grandma, I think it's the grandma that's in the building for a particular reason. And presumably it's the grandma that made some kind of deal with Gavin. So known as kind of just an ancillary part of the deal. And just even I think like you said, I don't think that Gavin could in any way have someone who has the power that she has who's not under his control. As well as the fact that I think her powers are—she's just discovering them. I think it's, it's, it's obviously connected to things that are very close to an individual. It's not like she can just sum them up. So even when with Henry, it's because she tripped and she grabbed his, right arm, his arm and touched the watch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that was it. That was the connection that she had with him. It wasn't just that there was a vision at that time. It was the connection with the watch. I think that if Gavin knew that she had visions of any type, given that Gavin has secrets— Gavin wouldn't allow it. Gavin can't have anything in his space that he's not either controlling or aware of. And a young 14-year-old who has the possibility to see things... There's no way he knows. I think that's, it's going to come, it's going to come to a head, but he has no idea.
2: Yeah, I think the grandma, now that we've seen her, I think she is the one that made some sort of deal with Gavin, and that's why she's stuck in this state. Because it was seen clear that she is maybe in this zone because if she saw something or, you know, she's, and she's, now this is kind of her, um, you know, uh, her payback for whatever mm-hmm. she deal she made with him, which I'm guessing is probably also what caused known as parents to, get killed. Yeah, I want to know more about that. Yeah, I don't think that's just like a, oh, by the way, you know, (laughs) like her parents died when she was young. I think whatever deal the grandma made probably affected her parents. And then that's how she got in the buildings because she didn't have parents, so that she went to live with the grandmother. So I think that might explain why Gavin would have somebody like that in the building, that he, it wasn't really by his choice. exactly. But, and then, so, so yeah, I kind of, I'm not sure what to, at this point, I'm going to say that I don't think he knows about her powers yet
1: but. Okay Two against I one Could okay. be wrong I could be wrong Or Why do you think That she actually Really did get back The necklace I was, I was on the fence About that
3: Um I was actually, I'm actually surprised that she didn't give back the necklace at the beginning. Like when, when basically Jane basically was like, okay, you're obviously the thief, you know what I mean? And she realized that Jane wasn't going to turn her in and she turned in everything else, but didn't turn in the necklace. That actually is what surprised me because it it didn't make sense. Like, why would you return everything other than the person who has the potential to tell on you? You would definitely want to give, give them back their necklace, but When she gave it to her, when she did, it made perfect sense to me because I think she really is starting to feel like Jane's an ally. So even when they were in the elevator and she's like, oh, I guess Jane told you that I'm the thief. And Henry was like, Mm -hmm. actually, no, she didn't. And then the way Jane, because that, think about it, like of anyone, she would presumably tell her boyfriend, even if she wasn't Mm going to rat you out. But the fact that she didn't even tell her boyfriend, I think that is a sense of loyalty and trust that Nona kind of is like, okay, I can trust her. And somehow then gave her back the necklace. But I'm still confused at why she didn't give it back to all yeah. of the rest of the stuff
1: okay i mean i can i can i can get with that but now one i had another question so we saw once again that that known as seeing a therapist who set up the therapist i mean if her parents are not there and the grandmother seems to be in com- like this comatose state who are doing the who, who set up the therapist That's
2: well what do you what well, do you she, think she made oh, go ahead I don't know. I
1: actually don't have I don't have an idea. I mean, I only only thing I can guess is that possibly maybe after her parents died, that somehow some type of the system somehow said, "Okay, your parents have died. We're going to put you in contact with this person who's going to kind of watch over you. Maybe that's it. But it still seems to me that wouldn't at one point the therapist or these other people sort of ask a little bit more questions about the grandmother, the therapist did tonight, but aren't people a little bit more curious about how this little girl's running around this hotel and clearly you know running her life on her own? I would think that someone else might notice that okay. the
2: thing about the therapist is I was just guessing that it was like the state or you know the court system or whoever would handle a young child when their parents d- died um also she made a comment like see i'm getting better you can say i'm getting better so that indicated to me that maybe she did something that got her in trouble with the law and being a juvie that they were like okay you have to have you have to go to therapy now because of your actions and so that's why she has to meet with us that's just what i guessed
1: (laughs) it works yeah i just was curious because i was like that's one little piece of information that i I haven't really seen i was and i was curious about it because i even thought about it the other weeks when the grandmother hadn't appeared so
2: yeah
1: all right well we also have our man gavin and henry tonight which obviously have been playing a big part of the roles in the last couple of weeks um we see that that gavin's being interrogated and um he, well, it opens up basically with Henry going into the to his office and the ADA. It's ADA, is that what we decided mm-hmm. it was? Assistant
3: District Attorney. Assistant
1: District Attorney is questioning him on his involvement with Gavin. And, you know, the Henry's obviously a little bit nervous because of his political relationships and where he's at in his career and the ada basically is saying listen you know we know that you're you know you know more than what you're saying and we know that you know information so then we see him later on having a conversation with gavin it goes back and forth there's the question of of loyalty that's involved with gavin and and henry but we we see that gavin clearly still wants to keep henry under his umbrella in camp what did you guys think about that the, the whole scene tonight with Gavin and, and Henry. Sophia, you coming from the lawyer background, mm-hmm. I, I know you had a lot to say with this one.
3: Actually, I really didn't. I really didn't. I think that Gavin is always 10 steps ahead. That's why he told Henry that he was under investigation before Henry then went to work and found out he was, in fact, under investigation. Um, I think that the only thing that was a little bit upsetting was how quickly it seemed like Henry rolled over. So they have pictures of you with the person who owns your building. I would have literally told them to kick rocks. Like, no, because they're pinning you in a corner without anything. Simply pictures of, of one of the most powerful men. It's not like he's a criminal. So the fact that he then all of a sudden thought, okay, like, then he has to be a crook. Versus why are they pushing me into a situation where no matter what you're now going against a friend or a colleague or someone you have befriended. So even let's just argue that Gavin is a criminal, there's still disloyalty. And I think that's why later on in the episode when Jane basically says, I don't care what zip code we come from, you need to be the man that you're meant mm-hmm. to be. And I think that's why he didn't give up the information, because regardless of who pushes you in a corner, you need to be honorable. And that means you don't spy on your friends, regardless of what they're doing. You may you may distance yourself, but you don't spy on them. Um, so so I even thought that the interaction with Gavin—I mean, I think Gavin was kind of straight up with him. He was like, "I haven't really, I haven't actually held any of my cards back." Gavin actually, from the beginning, was like, "I'm being friends with you because I think that you potentially could have aspirations in politics, and I, yeah, I think and that he was trying
1: to push him in that direction, too,
3: right?" But so, I think, he, yeah. I think, ironically, Gavin's always been straight up with him. Gavin's like, "Yeah, I like you because I think you're gonna have political aspirations, and I like having powerful people around me."
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's been completely straight up because clearly he had files of him, you know, on his computers and research. Which, so he's definitely maybe scene. straight up, but straight up with uh, for sure, clear, you know, an agenda.
1: Yeah. And we saw him. we saw Henry. Oh, no, Sophia. What? Are you, no,
2: uh, no. go ahead. First. I was going
1: to say we saw Henry go and uh, try and download those files with his little zip drive and then jumps out the window uh, when he hears Olivia coming back into the office. And what does he do? He leaves the cap to the freaking zip drive. Uh, on the on top of the computer, Which I
2: got to say, a very ballsy move for him to go up to their penthouse. Yeah, I don't think I would have. Yeah, to, to even attempt that was, like, I think, a side of Henry that we haven't seen so far. Yeah, so he's willing to take risks.
1: He's willing to take risk. I think I think with with Henry too, he's he wants to make moves. You know, he wants yeah. to he wants to make some some career moves, and I think maybe he was in turmoil of knowing who was actually telling him the truth. So. It's making him, I think, make different choices than what he would have made two episodes ago.
3: I completely agree with you, but I think that he made the wrong choice. And I think at the end of the day, he made the correct choice. Because at the end of the day, you never want someone to make you do something because they're blackmailing you. That's just dishonorable. And How do you you get out of that? At the end of the 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 day, no. I mean, this is going to sound silly. That's when you actually give Gavin a heads up. Straight up, they didn't say that you can't tell Gavin. I'd basically go to Gavin and be like, I don't know if you're a crook, so I'm going to remove myself. But they want me to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm not going to do it. So I wash my hands of all of you. And you let the chips fall as they may. And I think, ironically, that's what he did at the end because that's what he said. He was like, I have the information, but I'm not turning it over. Because any time anything starts off in a dishonorable way, that taints the entire process. And that's why Gavin was so happy that he didn't, didn't, give up the information regarding Greenpoint, right? Because right? he wants him to be honorable. He wants him to be a hero, and that's exactly what... It was a test. Exactly, it but test. it was more than just a test. I think he's really testing his honor, and I think he wants him to be honorable. There's something... Gavin does not view Henry like he views a lot of these other people. He does not view him as weak. He views him... He's said on several occasions, you're like me, you're like me, we have to fight, and we have to fight together. And I think that... He, he put him under a test, but again, I don't think he's really hid that. And then just, and I'm jumping around a little bit, the files on his computer, I think that was weird because there was a file folder on the desktop, on the desktop of his computer. So that was weird, yeah. but yeah, even that to obvious. me was a test. That also you think that Gavin, that, set Gavin that up? completely set that up. Gavin is playing everyone. Gavin is ten steps ahead because he just wouldn't be that careless in general. That's number one. Number two, you're forgetting, and I can't remember because I think Gavin actually his background could be that he's a lawyer. But let's not call him a lawyer. Let's just say he's a dealmaker. But I I think I, think I remember is, that. I think he said something. Yeah, I think I remember yeah. that. So at the end of the day, he's going to have fouls on everyone. Yeah. You you cannot be presumably a Trump s character and not run a full background screening check on everyone you interact with, let alone he has now kind of taken Henry into his fold and he's grooming him. So it means he needs to know who these people are and that's even why Olivia was like, you know, oh you you have a big dinner to go to and then, you know, that's why Jane was like, okay, I went to a vintage store and I got, you know, a vintage Dolce & Gabbana for like $9 because they're grooming them. There are steps right. that they need to take. So, so that on the surface didn't actually alarm me. It more alarmed me that I'm like, oh, Gavin's setting you up because he's presumably going to put something in there to see if you took the information to see if you looked at the information because then you're going to spill the beans and you're going to say something and he knows that you looked at the file
1: and where i'm going to agree with you on that too is that just even the way that gavin handled it because he took the file cap and gave it to him at the at the event Mm -hmm. so he he clearly knew he you know he wasn't guessing who was on his computer so i will give you that that that's true um I just want to know. I want to know a little bit more backstory on Gavin, though. I want to see where he really came from and how this is all developing. I'm sure we're going to get it, but it'll help me with some of the questions that I have with with the things that we're talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. Like what he really knows, how how this all started. Why? Why Henry so much? You know, Uh, I mean, I get it, but I want to fully understand this entire background on it. So all right so let's talk about our ghost girl that's what i'm calling her <laughs> miss ghost girl who's who's underneath the bed consistently now we were talking about this i thought it possibly could be sasha the daughter of gavin and olivia but you you don't think it is, or you guys don't think it is.
2: No, I did, because I, I agreed with you that other time, last week or the week before when we first uh, talked about her, and I thought, well, because she was, you know, they did say that Sa- Sasha liked to, um, sorry, I can't talk tonight, Sasha okay. liked like- to, like, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, explore around the hotel, and she was so curious at a young age, so I thought maybe it was a uh, was her at that at that point.
3: And I actually had the same thought process when we watched initially, and the only reason that I changed my mind was that obviously Sasha was of driving age right. when she passed away. So unless it was... Actually, no, it still could be. Okay. I initially mm-hmm. thought it wasn't because Sasha passed away at driving age, but I forgot that technically, like... Um, Ghosts can appear in whatever, whatever state before. they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't remember the exact time frame, because this little girl seems like she's, what, about 9? She's like 9, mm-hmm. 10. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think it's Sasha, because even um, Olivia mentioned that there was a time when she when she lost Sasha before she actually passed away, that somehow there was a disconnect. Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. I think it was later than 9. For, I, why do
2: I want to say 14? Right, I.
3: That sounds, okay. that sounds right for me, too. So I'm not quite sure who the little girl is, but whoever the little girl is, I think is intimately connected with the person we then co- figure out is in the suitcase because yeah. I think she's, she's close out of yeah. fear. Like, she's actually watching because she knows he's going to get out and she wants to be able to see where he is. And that's why I think she warns Jane. She's like, shh, he's going to hear me. Right. Um, and again, and I know this isn't maybe the time that we're going to talk about it. So Jane obviously felt enough of, of, of angst to then realize that she shouldn't be playing with a suitcase? Right. Why put it in your closet? I know. Like, I was thinking, I was thinking the same why thing. Why not put it back where you put found it? it. You know, but, agree, but what was that yeah. uh,
1: with all the, the, the digits changing? I kept waiting for the digits to pop up 666 on both sides, but I know that would have been the most, you know, predictable answer. Yeah. But I was trying to figure out what exactly those, the digits were, what she was trying to get the digits to, d- to do. Can, and then yeah. Oh, sorry, I not mean to cut you off, JJ. Oh, Later on, I actually thought that maybe it was... This was just a thought, but the, when we see, which we'll talk about in a sec, this black cloud of a formation that comes out of the suitcase, I thought maybe it was the little girl who was trying to keep the, like the ghost was trying to get out and she kept changing the digits to keep the lock
3: oh, locked. Oh, I get and what you saying. The ghost was
1: trying to get the lock to where it needed to be with the right code, but she actually was somehow manifesting the numbers to, to change so the ghost couldn't get out. But it was, you know, I don't, that might be far-fetched, but that was a thought that
3: I had.
2: While we're talking about this, can we also talk about how now Tony, the doorman, yeah. is so... So he has visions like Jane? Like, like that whole that whole scene kind of yeah. got me a little bit because I was like, wait a second.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't necessarily even think that he had visions. I thought he just kind of got roped up in the situation more than him having a vision of what's going to happen. Like somebody took over him took, for like a little almost, bit made him... Like, yeah, almost like, a outer, like he, he was, was possessed in a trance. In a trance. Oh, okay. Because once, it, once he was in the room, saw the suitcase, and and had that vision... When they showed him in the hallway, you know, he kind of shook his head like, did that really just yeah. happen? Like, what just happened? Like, you know, does this really go on? It was a thought to me that it, it was just his body had gotten possessed, but he didn't have the actual vision. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, but what was, what was your thought on that? No, so I did, agree. Oh, okay. Now, who That's do you guys nice. think that the the guy in the the black cloud is? I mean, that was that was an interesting formation because we saw him twice this particular episode. So... What is this black cloud that you think? I, I'm trying to figure that out. I, do you think it's I, one of Gavin's helpers, or is it? I was also thinking maybe it's some tenant
2: who went nuts who was, who, just, who was in the
1: building. Something happened, and so there's going to be some storyline with the suitcase and the tenant because only certain he's there's a message that's clearly trying to get that that person's trying to get to the Jane. So what you know. I think this person's not going to end up being necessarily evil. I think this person's going to try and help out Jane in the end. That's what somehow, I think.
3: Hmm. Interesting. That's what I think. Interesting.
1: Somehow, or has some key piece of information. Because why why does he seem to be wanting Jane so much? That's he or she, but it looked like a he when he came Mm -hmm. out. But it seems like he has some connection to Jane that he's trying to let her know about. And for some reason... We don't know why.
3: I I still feel like there's something that we we sometimes miss is that separate than Gavin, the Drake is also a character. True. And so I think that, and I can't recall when Gavin purchased the Drake, but I think that just even thinking about two episodes ago, and I can't remember her name, but the the lady basically who was like forever young, the Black Widow. Oh, the Black mm-hmm. Widow. So her crime Technically predates Gavin's ownership of the building, right? Right, and there was another murder. Do you know what I mean like there's one or two things that we've seen, like in terms of either f- flashbacks, that predate Gavin's ownership? So it shows that the Drake itself, you know what I mean, in terms of even the um, the the dragon on the floor yeah. and the news clippings. So I think somehow I still contend that Gavin is some kind of steward of the building. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but I, I, and I'm not Mm -hmm. saying he's good, but I still think that he has more layers that he's not as evil as he seems on the surface. I'm not disclaiming that he's not doing bad things. He's not manipulating people, but I I still feel like there's some stewardess of the building. And that presumably, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm still I'm still working it out but I I don't think that the guy is there to help Jane I think he's completely there to harm her yeah. and I think it's because she sees things that other people don't see and if and if you have if you have a foreshadowing, then you know what you're getting into, and presumably you may tell other people right. versus everyone else is I think mesmerized by the gloss mm-hmm. and the glitz of this building, right. the glots and the glitz the 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 gloss and the glitz of Gavin and Olivia she somehow is the only one who isn't she's kind of like you know she goes about her business like normal and she right. sticks her nose where she shouldn't because that's just what she does, and that's who she is. I think she's always honorable, and I think it's not a coincidence that she's the one who pulls back Henry to his moral compass of center.
1: Yeah. And, I, and that's a good point you made about the, the building being haunted. I, I think sometimes I forget that point because we, we get so focused on the characters mm-hmm. that they show. So that's true the building is. It's a haunted apartment building. So <laughs> there, there's a, a lot of levels that probably can take place in that. Alright, well I think right now is a good time to go to some news and gossip.
0: After Buzz TV
1: News. What do you got for us over there?
2: I just have a little something on the building, which is funny because you were just talking about the building still being a character. Um, so I just read um, in, believe this one is in the Wall Street Journal, that um, the creative da- creator, David Wilcox, actually chose this, bu- this real building in New York called the Ansonia. Um, be- uh, because of the architecture, but also the original architect, whose name was Paul E. Du Bois, um, he himself ended up in an insane, insane asylum. Wow, that's freaky. Yeah, which is interesting. And then some of the, like a great celebrity that lived there, who's Babe Ruth, so he was kind of talking about, like, he he likes picking buildings in New York that have some like stories like this and characteristics to them, and he tries to kind of incorporate them in the show to give it a little more. Um, character be another character. Uh, another one that they talked about was the um, secret room downstairs is actually uh, part of a church which the church was called um, the church of intercession and then actually part of that church is a crypt so that mm. secret room that they're using yeah. is also a crypt. That I mean, makes Sophia it even more freaky a little bit. A little
1: more levels on the show. Yeah, I
2: thought that was kind of cool too even though, I mean, they shoot a lot of it on a Brooklyn soundstage but I thought it was very interesting that they took the time to kind of pick these buildings and these places that also have a little uh, and there was stories about the actual real building having ghosts and people talked about mm. uh, like a I couple ghosts in the, ho- Ooh, in the, in the uh, yeah. Ooh, nice sound effect. <laughs> Steven. Yeah, so that was my little tidbit this week
1: well I have a little bit more information on some of the actors they were at the New York um, Comic Con and Vanessa Williams when asked about her character in the upcoming uh, episodes she mentioned that uh, the Hollywood episode or excuse me the Halloween episode that's coming up next weekend is going to show big things for her character she said that she discussed the dynamic between Olivia and Gavin would change. She said it might be as simple as it might not be as simple as it appears. As both characters become more vulnerable and more human, we will learn more about their past in the Halloween episode. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, yes. <laughs> then Rachel Taylor, who plays our girl Jane, she said that. Um, She said that she thinks that you're going to see more of Jane falling apart and they're going to see her pull herself together in a different way. And then but she'll still be Jane. Uh, She said she is not someone who is likely to start doing bench presses like Sarah Connor Connor from obviously Terminator. But she said that she is because she's a very delicate girl. But she said you will see her inner strength in the upcoming episodes get to the chopper. That's right, get to the chopper. Taylor also promised that even, even if the plot seems somewhat predictable, now there is no way fans will be able to see where the series is headed. So, you know, there's there's a lot going on. And I got one more uh, from Mr. Heartthrob, all the girls love Robert Buckley. Um, he said that he was he was asked about infidelity because his character on the show is obviously peeking through the windows at things that maybe he possibly <laughs> should not be doing. But Buckley said the idea of being drawn against one's will to infidelity is something he considers terrifying. So portraying this storyline is something of a challenge for him. He said, being in a relationship, quote, where there was such a temptation that there was something actually pulling me out of my, my marriage, because aside from this job, I'm a very big believer in fidelity. That would scare the hell out of me, he said, to be in a spot where I was actually pushed to questioning my relationship and maybe breaking what I've already stood up for my morals, so hmm. sounds like a pretty stand-up guy, mm-hmm. there, Mr. Buckley. Um, so that's the news and gossip we got this week. Let's go. I into, think we got one more. Thing. Oh, we got one more did thing. Did they
3: do? Did not they pull? Like they order a couple more scripts for the show. I, they, yeah. they
1: did order two more yeah. episodes, which is good. So hopefully, I mean, as we know, we've kind of talked about this in the past that the ratings haven't been the best. Um, for ABC, but we're hoping that maybe they, the, the ordering of these two episodes means that we're going to get a, a longer season. So, good point. So that's our news and gossip for this week. Let's get to some predictions.
0: And now, your After Buzz TV predictions.
1: I sort of already made my prediction, I think. I think that the guy who comes out of the the smoking cloud ghost is actually going to be someone who helps Jane versus not help Jane. So I think that's my prediction. I'm going to go opposite on that. I don't I don't think that he's someone who is going to be evil. What a twist. What a twist. <laughs> Twist. What are you guys, what are your predictions, JJ?
2: I think he's going to be completely evil and wreak havoc next week. Um, I still, let's see, other than new predictions, um, I do really think Nona and Jane are going to just team up and really get their psychic abilities in high gear. And I still swear grandma is going to come back at some <laughs> point. Not come back, but I think her tie to her grandma is going to be, be key later on down the road. And I think I already made my prediction earlier
1: oh. in the episode. Okay, yeah. well where can everybody be yeah. found?
2: I I am at JJ Jurgens on Twitter and at jjjorgens.com. At Sophia Stanley on Twitter.
1: You can find me at Daryl Kristen, D E R R I A L C H R I S T O N, on Twitter or Facebook. Thank you guys for tuning in for episode four, Hero Complex 666 Park Avenue. <laughs> Join us next Sunday night, same time. We're going to be having the Halloween episode 666. So it should be exciting. And we look forward to having you guys tune in.